Today is March 24th, 2023. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki, Naganago, Mekoche, Chestakomaki, or Dakotes Nakotes Tine Siku. Hi, my name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake Tribe in Treaty 11. My name is Dakotes Nakotes Tine Siku. My people wore rabbit skin, so it's been referred to as the land of the hair people. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene Nation is a visitor to this area of Tincho Tine Indehe in Satu Dene, meaning Many Big Dog Town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot Mokinstis as Michelle Elliott, an English name that has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. Through my father, I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having a Canadian Indian Act and Post status card, which is a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous peoples' inherent rights. Indigenous Two-Spirit or the Indigenous 2SLGBTQ plus community and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the Canadian socioeconomic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I share my journey as I walk down the red road. As a Dene woman who's expended, who has attempted to run after joining harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at con expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions just to vote on incomplete policies that still allow incarceration, a denial of justice, denial of health services, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples, I have work to do, reports to advocate for, and attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. I think of all of this today as we try to honor the many Indigenous lives lost for a so-called country called Canada. I hope you see your role in the importance of stopping harm and as a citizen, see your role in reconciliation and as a treaty partner. Pride should never be one month, and it is important to understand that the straight agenda and gendered violence was and is forced on these lands by Christian outsiders. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as the guest, as a guest, and honoring your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. It's important land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage all to introduce themselves with an acknowledgement of their ancestors, stories of displacement, how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee or other land displacement. So we as indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you don't know how to pronounce your local indigenous nations names, won't say your pronouns, won't say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, imposed economic oppression, your role in reconciliation, I determine how safe you are to be around my community, my family, and myself. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101, because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, uh, broken treaties and laws taught today in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those who call themselves native Calgarians or whatever town you're from, Show me you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. Just Say Winty's book Unreconciled explains this perfectly, as do many Indigenous authored books. Land Back is a movement that could save the planet from climate change created by colonialism, but it would be part of the treaty partnership, meaningful reconciliation, and honoring global initiatives like the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. 
I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot, and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to Blackfoot and Denny elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot uh, south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Gainai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations of the Stony Nation, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to the previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. Also, giving a review helps no matter what medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel. You can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. And with that, we have a returning guest that um, is coming back to give us some updates. You may remember Corey Ashley from previous podcasts and the unfortunate story of his advocacy within Alberta Health and justice in order to uh, have justice for his wife, Lily. And with that, Corey, I'll let you introduce yourself in your way and go from there. Hi. Um... First, I'd like to uh, acknowledge and respect that I am on treaty land territory, stolen land, um, which we all know is uh, pretty horrific because not only did they steal the land, but they have continued for over 150 years now to try to kill off Indigenous people, continue to steal their land, get control over their reserves and stuff by federally funding grand chiefs and chiefs which hereditary chiefs will have nothing to do with. And uh, I give them the utmost respect. Um, I've been in a situation where I've been learning for the last few years, a lot of things. And uh, it's, it's horrific. I will state that very horrific. I went through one of the worst things you can imagine in your life. And my indigenous wife, her life was ended Christmas night, 2020. It was ended in the healthcare system by people that are supposed to be there to take care of people. It's supposed to be a safe space, but it's not. And many, many people do not feel safe entering these places. One of the reasons I've been fighting for the Lily Cam, um, I recently found out when I was doing uh, my human rights that there is a thing called My Care Conversation, which is an app in Alberta to record any appointments with doctors, nurses, any healthcare professionals. Of course, their app is completely broken. So there's that. I tried to get them to fix it. They said they don't have to. So there's that. <laughs> Pretty disgusting if you ask me. But it's why I still advocate for the Lily Cam. And I will continue to fight for it for people to walk into a hospital, request that Lily Cam, and then tell them their medical situation. That way, they are protected. And uh, as of just recently came out, all police, and this stands for RCMP, city police, or anything across Alberta, within the next two to three months max, will be wearing cameras. That is awesome. 
Um, I've seen some of the fights against it. And a lot of them are police saying, oh, it doesn't do anything. Now, but it does. <laughs> and it will start to protect people. And that's pretty dang important, which is why I'm fighting for the Lily Cam, because I'm sorry, health, health care, the uh, systems we have, they're dangerous. Yep. And it's up to those people whether you live or die. And on this night in question, well, they chose that my wife was no longer going to be among the living, and they succeeded. Um, it's very unfortunate, uh, very disgusting. So I'm Corey Ashley. I do respect the land and territory I am on. I do understand that uh, this belongs to the indigenous people of this land, and we should respect that. And uh, now I'll get into all the things of the updates that I'm going to tell you about, which is quite interesting i just want to uh, comment though Corey. i'm sure for folks who have heard the first podcast the second one and and now here like what a difference your red road journey has been actually as a canadian and unfortunate and horrific no one should have to go through this and uh so i just wanted to acknowledge how far down the red road you've come and uh grateful that you're coming back to tell us about the updates um and i'll let you just give her well, I, I thank you for that, and um, I appreciate you. I appreciate your podcast, everything you do for people, your constant work, and how you try to, you know, inform people. You've given me free courses that I was, thank you, because, it, you know, it, I learned things about Turtle Island that I had no clue, and I learned things about people that I respect and love. Um, I never seen a racism, and then I learned what, how deep it can go and what things are. And I learned I was doing things myself by not acknowledging it. Sure. You know, that doesn't help. That's, you know, creating it, <laughs> adding to it. So I've uh, been working very hard to change those things about myself and realize what, you know, where we are in this life. And we're now in a digital world. And it's very important. We all learn this. We respect this. And we respect that, you know, we're all human. Yet many of us are not treated as such. And that's despicably, disgustingly horrific. Yeah. And uh, we need to change that. Mm. I'm fighting for that change, and I'm not going to stop until I do. Yeah. Um, I want to start with uh, two things, actually. First of all, I'll start with CBC. I read this story because recently it came out about a doctor, uh, 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 what do you call it there? Um, where they do one of those... Uh, Oh, good Lord, what are you, I can't even think of it for a second. You know where they take a bunch of people and get them to do a thing and see what it comes up with? They're doing a one on racism with doctors. Mm. Uh, it was done by CBC. They put it out to twenty or 12,500 doctors across Alberta. 300 out of that 2,500 participated. 75 of those 300 were outright, no, we don't like dealing with Indigenous. They straight up were outright, they didn't care. Then they did something like what I call an aptitude test, you know, where they took pictures and people and I, well, what do you like the most? And it came to a 67% preferred white people. So you're, you're, you can take those numbers and that kind of look at that. To me, I was asked by uh, APTN News if I had a comment on it. And I said, well, number one, I said, pretty disgusting. Only 300 out of over 12,000 would participate. But that's because the numbers are probably a lot higher in the racism category. And in, in my thing, they, that other 12,200 people were like, no, because we all don't want to. Mm -hmm. 
that's the seriousness of it. That's the facts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's scary. When just out of 300 people, you get 67% don't want to deal with Indigenous First Nation people. Yeah. So when they did that story, well, there was a link to my wife's story on there. And I read it. And I was like, wow. I Because there's nine things wrong in the story. Timelines wow. matter up, which are pretty important. But two things that they did that they said that were my words. One of them stating that I was aggressively angry at the staff. That's incorrect. Never once was I aggressively angry. Never once did I state to CBC I was aggressively angry. But they stated that I did. <laughs> well, pull up your dang camera and show me the video because I guarantee you I was never aggressively angry. I never stated I was aggressively angry. And I never said I did anything that night aggressively angry. Sure. Then they have in there a little bit later that I stated I yelled more than once at the staff. Never once did I state I yelled at the staff either. I had to raise my voice because there's 75 feet down a hall around the corner and that, but I did not yell and I never stated I yelled. So CBC has outright taken this story and you know, embellished it to how they want it to look, to try to make me look like this mean, aggressive person who has been accused of being six foot four, 200 pounds and scary. I'm five foot 10 and a half. I was 290 pounds, now down to 265. <laughs> um, but I was 290 at the time of incident. And uh, I've got a screwed spine. I was not being a threat to anybody. I was just advocating for my wife. By 11:23, when I started recording my video, I was, I was definitely upset. And yeah. I had rights to be. I've got investigators that said, no, Corey, you're well within your rights to be upset. Nobody was doing anything. You still hadn't met a doctor. You'd been in there for a couple hours. Yeah. Your wife <laughs> was dying. And now, and, wife, and, and you, you weren't proved wrong because she's gone. Yes, I know. And I tried to get them to prove me wrong. I begged her to pick up that stethoscope and listen to my wife's lungs. Wow. And the nurse refused. Oh, right, refused. I don't have to, she said to me. <laughs> Yeah, you got paramedics stating my wife's got restricted breathing and you don't have to listen to them. You don't have to supply my wife oxygen. You don't have to look into what's actually happening. Um, recently, um, CPSA, College Physicians and Surgeons, last February, they completed the investigation, Dr. James McCookus and Dr. Jean Langley. It was done with uh, two doctors to keep the uh, bias out of it. Of course, that was later screwed over. They completed it. It was sent for a peer review. It was received back from the peer review April 1st, or well, first week of April. There's over a thousand pages to that investigation. I'm waiting for that investigation. It's supposed to be sent to me in its entirety. Imagine there's going to be a lot of redacted in there, which I'll have to fight to get that unredacted. But uh, I'm hoping not. I just know that in this investigation, when April came, Dr. Gene Langley and Dr. James McCookus were both relieved of their duty to this case. And it was handed over to the complaints director of CPSA. And uh, under the uh, guise of Scott McLeod, who is the CEO and the registrar of, C of uh, CPSA, um, he allowed her to go through this file and deem what she wanted to do. She came back with unfounded, gave me a 30 page letter and in that 30 pages, I didn't make it through the first 15 pages of highlighting when I was just so disgusted and horrified at the things. Yeah. I wrote up my appeal against this 
and I put it in and within days I got a letter or well, a letter back and a phone call saying, uh, Corey, you're getting an appeal. I said, really? And they said, oh yes, July or August. That now date has been moved up to June. Um, Cause they quite agreed with me in there, Dr. Uh, Jan Hammond, the one who's uh, accused in here, admits at midnight, which is because right after midnight, I was removed by the officer and he went back into the hospital. She admitted in there that she knew my wife was struggling to breathe at midnight. My wife didn't die till an hour later, and then they did their fake bullcrap, you know, and uh, she did nothing. She still did nothing. The only thing she did was allow the nurse to go and remove my wife from the room that they had put her in, the COVID room, to room 104, which is when my wife was dead. Right after that, uh, when the second nurse walked in and found my wife face down, uh, no, uh, no breathing, no pulse, no heartbeat, dead, with phlegm coming out of her mouth face down on the bed not sure why face down but yeah face down on the bed two minutes apparently after Holly Connors got her in there well that's pretty disgusting when I went through the 30 pages that's why I'm waiting on the thousand pages right now which is my rights and uh, it's supposed to be delivered to me they asked me one month ago well one month and one day ago how would you like to receive it Corey hard copy couriered or memory stick I said well personally I prefer both I said save me a lot of ink and paper to you know, print it off because I do everything in hard copy, memory sticks, PC, and laptops. I keep it everything, every bit of evidence I have is covered in every many different ways. And uh, <clears throat> well, that was a month ago. I still haven't received it. I'm like, so I wrote a letter uh, day before yesterday stating, why is it taking a month to receive a memory stick in the mail? I can order something on Amazon and it's here in three days. <laughs> so why, when they're in Alberta, has yeah. it taken a month to get me this memory stick? Pretty disgusting. Totally. Um, I need to go through this file. If I need to know by June and well, a thousand pages, that's a lot of stuff for me to go through. You know, that's, that's a huge file. And well, it's over a thousand pages, so I can just imagine. And I've got to go through all this. So I have everything ready for my appeal. Um, can I just kind of make a point here? Like in, in all of my previous podcasts, I talk about the amount of colonial uh, paperwork, bureaucracy, and you're just laying it out so perfectly how difficult these systems are to navigate. Um, disgustingly difficult. I'll get into this near the end, but right now I'm supposed to be in the Zoom trial. Um, I'm not, obviously, and that's one of the other reasons why I requested and asked if we could do this podcast, because I am disgusted, and so is many people. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the things people have written into uh, CARNA, College of Registered Nurses of Alberta, I'm sure have them shaking in their boots, including the chair member who has received letters from other people, including myself, because I'm disgusted. I should be involved in this. I am the witness, but I'll yeah. get into that in a bit. Sure. Um, so we see where college position surgeon is. She tried to state, oh, you know, uh, because Corey's 200 pounds, six foot four and scary dude, the doctor never had to come down and talk to him or deal with Williams medically. So the doctor, she came to the emergency and then she said, oh, she's got other people to attend to on the other side. Admitted patients on Christmas night. Apparently she went to the other side and spent two hours over there doing what? I said, I question that. I, I question you pull the records and I'll bet she wasn't doing anything but hiding because that's what she did. She never came down to help me. She never came down to talk to my wife. She never came down to check two vitals, nothing. Vitals were never taken until after the RCMP officer was there, as far as I know. 
Um, in fact, in some of the charges, it said that the, there was fraud on him because the one nurse just recorded what the other nurse had said in the paper. Nobody ever did vitals. The paramedic in PPIC, which is my next topic. Sure. Uh, the paramedic, PPIC, Protection for People in Care. Um, the paramedic stated in there that uh, she stayed with my wife until I entered the room. Not once did she witness the nurse take any vitals of my wife or listen to her lungs. I entered the room. Paramedic nurse left after I was begging for, you know, oxygen and stuff. And um, I found all, the, all this out, of course, later. Um, one of the paramedics actually wrote a complaint against the doctor and uh, the nurses, as far as I know, uh, pretty serious stuff. Anyway, um, PPIC, of course, they said, well, they found almost 30 things wrong that the doctor and nurses did. And they came up with unfounded because it was written within a 120 minute timeline that they had taken the vitals, which is a max amount, 120 minutes. So they did it, I think it was uh, 117 minutes. They wrote it down again and put down number there, but they never did the vitals. Yeah. Because that they were in the room doing the vitals that night around 1119. And, uh, but nobody did vitals. Nobody mm. came in to my wife's vitals, not temperatures, not breathing, not anything. Yeah. And it wasn't done when the paramedic was there or when I showed up. Yeah. Uh, the only time the doctor got to see and the nurses got to see my wife alone was when they dragged her down, forced her to walk to the lab, did the ECG, the lab works for blood and everything, and did x-rays. And then she was back in the room around 10.02 with me and never left that room again, and I never left her side until I was removed by the RCMP. Mm. Now, in all that, the uh, pretty disgusting because how do you, when you know it's a lie, yeah, you know, with PPIC knows it's a lie, they were never done, no vitals were done, still go buy it. Yeah. And that's their only reason for unfounded. This June, I contacted the ombudsman uh, of Alberta. I wrote up my complaints about CARNA, PPIC, College Physician Surgeons, CPSA. And I said, look, we have some serious issues here. And uh, although the ombudsman can't help me really right now because nothing was completed, and I can't file a grievance yet. I guess I did contact PPIC because when I contacted PPIC about, you know, making an appeal, the woman says to me, well, I'm sorry, Corey, you can make an appeal, but uh, your caseworker, she's gone for the next six weeks and you only have two weeks to make your appeal. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I was basically told it ain't going anywhere anyway. Yeah, I know the, I this feeling. Yeah, well, it's so stupid. After I contacted the Obitsman, I guess they made some phone calls for me, and then they contacted me back. They said, "Corey, contact PPIC. You're going to get an appeal." So I did. That appeal comes up this June too, because mm -hmm. if their only reason for it is, well, it was written down, well, it's a lie. How can you go by that when you know it's a lie? So if that is turned over, that means it'll be founded, which means mm -hmm. guilt. Same as what's going to happen with. Uh, the college physicians and surgeons, it will be turned over because just the 30 pages I have is disgusting. It proves all, proves right there that she's trying to cover for the doctor. And that's disgusting. Same as what's happening right now. Um, sure. I will state that I have contacted a lawyer's office in Alberta who's very interested in my case to take on the criminal part, criminal mm. aspects. Yep. Of course, I can't afford that right now. I'm doing a lot of stuff, but my wife's band, Sandy Bay, Ojibwe First Nation in Manitoba, have stated they're going to stand behind me and they're going to help me. So 
they don't have their war chest as they call it for the big money we're you know paying for lawyers and stuff but they're going to help sure. me because they have connections to a lot yeah so they're going to work together to help me fund this lawyer and uh i'm not saying names right now but uh, this lawyer has fought for a lot of indigenous rights mm. and with uh, against the trc and uh i think that this is going to be a good fit because i've asked her to help me in the uh, public inquiry mm. and uh you know I asked about if she could help me in this when I was speaking with the prosecutor that contacted me a month ago for Karna. And uh, he said, no, it doesn't matter if you have a lawyer, they can't say anything, they can't ask questions, they can't do anything but sit there and watch. So there's really no need for you to have a lawyer, Corey. I'm like, okay. So now we'll get into the thing about Karna. Mm. College of Registered Nurses of Alberta. A trial was set up. Was supposed to be done. There was supposed to be two of them. Both were one-week trials. They were set for September 2022. They were both canceled with zero reason. I sent four letters requesting a reason. And all they kept saying was, it's private. We can't tell you. I said, no, 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 no. I don't give a crap about their private. I don't care about their doctor's appointments, the medication they're on or anything. I want to know what criteria they had to meet. Yeah. And what criteria they did meet to have these postponed seven months sorry it's private we're not telling you i said well there's two separate trials here two nurses so i could see maybe one being postponed for private but two i said i want answers mm -hmm. never got that i just got live pushed off and then nobody would speak to me nobody can i can i also insert a night um oh, point please, here please. you know this is why i'm not an ndp -er. because ndp and you you unions are like this they're like this. And when like legitimate issues happen, a union will protect, in, in my, my opinion, monsters, murderers like this. And, and that is the problem. Because we know that's what's happening behind the scenes. If she can keep her job for X more months, then she can get a pension and then she's, she can retire before she faces full accountability. Like, I know that's what's happening in the background. I'm, maybe you feel differently. You're welcome to your opinion. But I, I have seen this over and over, whether it's police, whether it's, it, it doesn't matter. It, anything with a union, they end up so protected and our people are dying in a genocide with no protections and it just it's so infuriating to hear them just being able to give you all of these walls gatekeep you in this way so please continue and i agree 100 percent um that's an awesome statement because it's so very true um more gatekeeping and protecting of nurses though karna the investigator came up with 82 charges against those two nurses, 52 against Holly Connors, 30 against Marcia Campbell. Marcia Campbell was the head nurse that night. I never seen her until my wife's dead. Besides when she first, uh, you know, dressed me up in COVID gear, sent me into the room, then she was gone. It was all up to Holly to do this. Um, anyway, those trials were postponed to March. It's supposed to be March 6th through 10th and then 20 through 24th. And then that changed again halfway through the month. They decided to put both trials together into one trial. And that because, you know, the charges are so similar between the two and it's all about the same night. It's all about, so they decided they'll just join them together. 
Now, if you go to the Carnot website page, the first thing you're going to notice is they pride themselves on public exposure, being transparent, because they want the public to know that they're safe. They want them to see that they're making sure they create a safe place for people. So these trials were public. Not only were they public, I was the witness. I'm supposed to be testifying my wife's story. And I asked this prosecutor, he called me up and questioned me and quite upset me in a few things. And I asked him, I said, I go, I said, I go, what do I get to say? I said, or do I just get grilled and ask questions and have to answer their questions? And he said, well, no, you get to speak and, you know, you do get to tell your story. I said, well, it's my wife's story. I said, what I'm at now and what my wife went through that night. I said, that's good to know because they're going to hear the story. Well, I'm the only witness. It started on Wednesday morning at 9.30 to 4.30 every day, Wednesday, Thursday, and today, that these trials are going on through Zoom. However, it was closed to the public. Hmm. I, as the only witness, was told, you are no longer needed, Corey, and you will not be allowed to participate in the Zoom either. <laughs> well, how do the people, the four people up on that stand, which is two registered nurses and two civilians, get to, you know, honestly and properly judge this case without this side. Yeah, I know. It's so biased. It's not even funny. That's a 100% protection for the nurses yep. and their organization. And 100% against what they say they stand for, transparency <laughs> and public safety. It's bullcrap. Yep. I'm doing that. That's a quote. This is bullcrap. <laughs> I'd swear, but I'm trying to be very polite right now. Good am I angry? You. I am. So I, maybe angry. I better try not to swear too then. <laughs> well, I just, you know, they've called me a mean, angry person, very scary. You know, I'm sure I can be. I'm sure just about anybody can be mean and scary if they, you know, they get pissed off enough. Okay, let, let's stop you right there. Okay. How many of these union government employees constantly do this though constantly gaslight the victim it is everywhere every place that i walk in and i see one of those we expect respectful dialogue and in return we will give this back to you that's literally saying we are a bunch of asshole bullies we have every intention of treating you poorly and we are going to kick you out whenever you don't, you know, smile nice enough, be kind, nice enough. You know, when we have your um, a, a knife on your shoulder and, and it hurts you. But if you speak up, you know, we're going to kick you out like they're just awful and they're so protected. And the public is never protected. And that is why an idea of a lily cam is so needed and necessary, because these public employees treat us so poorly and it doesn't matter whether we're talking health it, justice indian affairs like all of them every oh, government God. like it, transit <laughs> you know I, I i can tell you stories and 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 it's wrong like I, I i don't understand why canadians tolerate this because it's not just me it's not just you it's everyone gets treated this poorly mm -hmm. and there's no accountability none from what i see so far none and I'm going to get into something about that very shortly here, too. But uh, so you all remember, that's my beautiful wife. And this here was made for me from a beautiful person in Edmonton. She 
contacted me on Facebook and said, Corey, can I make you something? She made this for me. And I love this thing. I actually, when I sleep in bed at night, all I got to do is open my eyes and it's staring right at me. I'm so sorry, Corey. It's I one thing to life. lose your, oh it's one thing to lose her. It's another in such an awful way. And, and, you know, I have watched people comment on your social media. I know you're going through hell. And, the, and I want to make this point too. This is what's wrong with our system. When you're in mourning, you shouldn't have to be fighting multiple levels of system, bureaucracy, uh, different organizations in order to get justice. Like anybody else is just doing the work of trying to heal from lo the loss. And look at your two years into this, going, going in three years of, of trying to navigate this ridiculous system that's designed to exhaust you and kill you before giving your wife justice. So yep. you have every right to be angry, you have every right to cry, you have every right to feel incredible about this situation. It's how, how Canadians can be proud knowing you're going through this and you're one of so many, it's wrong. And I won't stop. This journey is my journey till the end when I get justice and I will get justice. Um, and thank you for that because yeah, uh, sorry for the tears, but don't be healing. every second of every day. I haven't dealt with it because I figured I was dealing with all this. I figured I was dealing with a zoom and, you know, I was supposed to be in court right now. They're a big zoom court. I'm supposed to be there witnessing. And that, that was taken from me and my wife too. Mm -hmm. um, RCMP, they did their very best to push this off and push this off, extend this investigation, lie to me, corruption, collusion, conflicts of interest, fraud. I have it all. I have all this evidence sure. and it's going to come out. I'm taking them down now. I'm so angry with them. The sergeant that ended up taking over was because the one that was in charge, Norman Mercer, was involved in conflict of interest, lie inclusion, all this crap. They ended up, because I made some complaints, they put another officer in charge. I told him because he seemed like a pretty honest person, not decent, you know, and, but still I have zero trust. And I told him, I said, you know what I want? I said, I want to see you guys do your job. Mm. Your job justly. I said, I go, if you don't, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to come at all of you with every piece of evidence I got. And I'm going to take down every single one of you I can legally and have your licenses, have your jobs. Yeah. Hopefully put some of you behind bars for what you've done. Yeah. And uh, I said, I go, all I want you to do is do your job about the five involved that night. The people that are mainly involved in killing my wife, all you know, I can ignore the bull crap that you guys tried to bury my wife's case. You guys tried to push it to drugs and everything. You know, I just want justice. Mm -hmm. Well, I received a letter. <laughs> Definitely no justice. Uh, basic gist at this time, unless any other investigations come up with stuff we uh, can't go through with anything yet. Uh, we're going to close our investigation until anything else might show some other evidence. I'm like, you guys seen 82 charges to Karna. You've seen PPIC with over 30, with, or just about 30 against doctors and nurses. And these are not light charges. CPSA, you've seen theirs and the report that was put out and 
that she knew my wife was struggling to breathe. And an hour later, my wife's cardiac arresting and she still hadn't done a thing. Neither did the nurses. Well, I was in no help. And you guys don't see guilt, enough guilt yet. You need to see more. Yeah. I'm disgusted. And I told him very much so. I said, I hope you are disgusted in yourself in writing this letter. I hope you're disgusted in your whole three people investigating investigators that cannot come up with what one nurse investigator came up with. One protection for people in care investigator came up with. You guys hide all this stuff. You guys are trying to still bury my wife's case and you're not going to succeed. I want you to know that. RCMP have disgusted me and I told him, I think oh, you should be embarrassed for what you guys have done here. And I said, and I am very happy that you've concluded your investigation at this time because now I can get the public inquiry on the go. Right. I have, uh, I have something to like try to give you um, a bit of a smile right now, okay? Because this is going viral on um, TikTok and the, uh, the song itself is an acoustic song. And I've, I've been loving it because I think it's real. Who else is gonna show up to murder my neighbor's dog? Who else is gonna write a report when you get assaulted? Show up at the scene of the crime. Take a couple pictures and then accuse you of lying to the cops. Who would never lie on the stand? If you can't do the time, you should have got that tan. We understand. They're trained to be afraid of the sun, so they should definitely be allowed to shoot anyone. We love the cops. Stop resisting. Try thinking of poor service. Gotta be nice, you wouldn't like the police at staring down the barrel. Why are you so nervous? If I got a mug, that just call a cow, call a cow, call a cow. It gets better. It gets better. I like you think you can't. It gets better. I'll send you the link, sir. <laughs> yeah, please do. You How dare you be bored with so that, Chan? <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely call a cab because no sense calling the police. Yep. <laughs> that's that's what our society is though. Like yeah. there is no safety right now. That's why I'm glad they're all getting cameraed. Yeah. You know, it's about time. It was how many years ago has it been now that they said they're gonna make sure that all the police across this country have cameras? Mm-hmm. And oh, it's so expensive mm-hmm. to filter these down. It's bull crap. It's yeah. not that no. They're so just I just off. wanted to point out ACAB, it means all cops are bad. Now, yeah. I would like to say they're not. I'd like, I know a few that I absolutely love and adore, but the problem is the system. The song is about the system. So calling a cab is a nice play on that whole concept. And oh. uh, yeah, yep. Yeah. So I just wanted to yeah. throw that out to any of my listeners that that's my new favorite song on the planet because it's, it's real. Like mm-hmm. I was born with a tan. You know, I know it might be hard to see on my YouTube channel or my TikTok, but I'm not as white as people think I am. <laughs> I'm, and systemically, because I have this card, I am definitely red flagged as soon as I walk into a hospital, doctor's office, pharmacist, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to give you that because if it wasn't for the arts, I don't know what I'd do. Honestly, this podcast is an example where we have had zero media. Like everyone should be shining a light on this as they did Joyce Eshaquan properly. So, you know, it, it, it is wrong, but this is, this is Alberta and our media is so corrupt as it is, 
you know, it has its own agenda and, and it is definitely against indigenous peoples. So. Oh, totally. Um, like I said, them stating that I so said these words, CBC news, like it was aggressively, no, I wasn't yeah. not at all. Yeah. They're lying to make me look bad. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I'm going to point interject. So now Corey has, a has, um, you know, he has to either go through the CRTC and go through some more bureaucracy or go through a lawyer and who, like, look at all of what he's going through. So whenever people try to claim to Indigenous people, oh, you can get justice. Like, this is a white guy going through all of this and he isn't there. So, you know, when people look at me and they say, well, you guys just don't work hard enough. This is what we're talking about. These are the things we are constantly going through that people with privilege do not, because this doesn't happen to your spouse. This doesn't happen. That's right. And uh, very sad facts. You know, this is what we're going through. And I did get a little bit with uh, CBC, because um, I, of course, lodged a complaint and we went up the ladder. And they took out the aggressively out of the anger part. That's what I got back. I said, what about the yelled at them when I never said I yelled at them? What about the, you know, timeline things that you've got all screwed up wrong that could mean a really big thing in a trial? Yeah. I said, you guys are supposed to report the news and the truth about it. Mm -hmm. Not make up your own lavish little, oh, I'm going to add this in aggressively just because, you know, look at this guy, you know. You guys are idiots. News is not news anymore. If I want news, I actually go onto the internet and I search up stories to find the truth out because I don't believe what the news is telling me. They tell you what they want you to hear. Yeah. It's uh, government political agendas. And that's been going on for years. Um, everybody knows I have a civil suit. Pretty much everybody knows. I cannot say much about it. I will say there's a few people on the list that shouldn't be. I don't think they should be on the list, but it was because everything has to be covered. Everybody has to be covered. Sure. And that's why it went that way. But uh, um, it's a $6 million lawsuit. $5 million for myself, $1 million for my wife's estate so that there's something in her name. Hmm. Um, I did not search these people. They were done for me. Uh, they came up with the dollar amounts. They came up with everything. They're working it. They've got the stuff going on. Um, they, of course, won't, can't help me with all my criminal stuff. That's on me. That's why I've been searching. And, uh, thanks to an ex-chief in Alberta, gave a name to a council member in Manitoba, my wife's band. And that's how I found this person that I'm hoping is going to take on my case and fight with me to get justice. Because I've been fighting all alone, and it's hard. Yes, I will tell you the things I've been going through. Just this Karna speaks words. One person wrote in to Karna because they got told, "Oh, it's closed now to the public." Um, I can't quote it. Quote for I could pull a rabbit here and quote it, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to give you the basic gist. Was um, this is actually disgusting, reprehensible? Your kangaroo court is nothing but bullshit. Um, you're trying to protect the nurses when you guys state you stand on transparency and public safety. And you're doing exactly opposite here. You close these hearings to the public and you took the only witness, the only voice for Lillian out of the trial. Um, 
this person went on to Advil. But I will tell you guys, it doesn't matter because you can control this situation, just like college physicians and surgeons and PPIC, they all control their situations like the RCMP do. But Corey has a public inquiry coming up and a civil suit, and you're not going to control those. I smiled when I read this because it's very true. Yeah. Well, it, it is a kangaroo, kangaroo court, what they are doing, and they're going to use whatever bullshit results in the next thing so that they can try to look a little better for their yeah. governing bodies and their unions. And I, I just, it is, I, I will never respect that people will go through this amount of loops to protect murderers and monsters, frankly. I, 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 I will never understand this. They're protecting people that murdered a human being. Yep. Because they hated a native. And that's because my wife was, yeah, my wife was native, indigenous. I'm white. They didn't care. Christmas night, they didn't care. Oh, we can get rid of one more. Yep. And that's all I see. And it's my opinion. They killed my wife 100% that night. They made sure she never came home, except for in a box. And uh, I went and got this done. Of course, this is my wife's ashes and her rings. And that, I had it all set. It's beautiful. It's, uh, I keep that with me because it's very important to keep my wife with me. Yeah. Um, like I said, lawsuit, that to me was just another form of the best part I could say when I did my interview with CTV is I said, it's another form of justice. Hmm. I said, I'm not going to get into it or anything. My lawyers left me not to, but it's another form of justice is what it is. Same as what happened in my uh, human rights. And I'm not supposed to talk about it, so... Oh, there's so many of this, you cannot talk. The Law Society. I recently lodged a complaint because the um, police investigation was handed over to the Crown. Three and a half months. First, it was handed beginning of December. Crown said by the end of December, there'll be an answer. End of December came and went. Then it was January 19th, we'll have an answer. Yeah. That came and went. Then by March 14th, I or no, February 14th, I hear, oh, we'll know by February 24th, they're going to have an answer. That date came and went too. Sure. So I lodged a complaint against this person with the Law Society. And uh, because I think it's disgusting. They gave three dates. They haven't met one of them. It's, you know, this needs to be done now because you're holding up the CRCC case, um, which is my complaint against the officers. You're holding up the... Uh, public inquiry yeah. and the police investigation by not giving an answer on whether there should be charges laid or not at this time. And then of course it gets sent back and you know, then you get the letter from the RCMP, which is a crock. And uh, so now I'm back to sitting where I am now, still fighting, still not giving up. And the nice part about it was, I said, thank you. And he goes, what? I said, you're now the hell out of my way and you're the hell out of the public inquiry's way. Mm. And now that can happen. Um, when I first contacted public inquiries, well, not first, but, uh, when I was, after I received that, okay, you're getting a public inquiry and I contacted, I said, should I give you some of my evidence now? And he, no, don't do that. And I said, what? He says, nope, nope. Don't give anybody here any, any of your evidence, Corey, keep it to yourself. He says, wait until it started. Uh, he said, it's been uh, put on hold because of the RCMP investigation, which they weren't doing at the time. No, they don't care. Well, worse, they, they are purposely creating barriers so that yeah. they're not held accountable and neither are their wives who are the nurses and, you know, 
doctors mm-hmm. there. It's like, holy. Well, it, it's been such a uh, trial of tribulations and crap. I just, I shook my head at them, but I said, thank you. You're out of my way. Yep. I waited until Monday to contact the Fatality Review Board or Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I contacted them and I spoke with the uh, gentleman there that I've been speaking with all along. And he said, he goes, well, I haven't heard anything about the investigation being completed at this time. And I said, really? I said, I had the letter last Thursday. They were going to hold until Friday at the end of the day, but I complained and bitched. I told him, what kind of bureaucratic bullcrap is this? So yeah. he sent it to me that evening. And I just kind of laughed. I was like, you pathetic. But uh, I said to uh, the guy, I said, really? And I said, hold on. Went to the email, bang, boom, sent it to him. I said, there, now you have it. And he says, oh. He says, okay, well, he goes, now I guess things can get started. He goes, the first thing we have to do, Corey, though, is we have to get their investigation. He says, that could probably take two or three months. And I said, why should that take any time at all? I said, their investigation's already wrapped up in a nice little package. It already went for a peer review, came back from the ups, which was just, their peer review is sending it upstairs in Airdrie to the higher up chiefs to look at. (laughs) Then that took almost a month. And then it went to the, everything has been just, let's push as far as we can, Corey. Oh, push of course. Keep pushing this, Corey. Yeah. And that's what it's been the whole time. Waste yep. time, try to push it up, try to, you know, maybe we can get it so he'll give up finally. I'll never yep. give up. That's, and, but that's what it is. That or hoping you die of a heart attack. Like, I'm not joking. Like, oh, I know. That they, they just want us dead and they don't want to face matter. accountability. They don't want to face, they want their, you know, pensions. They want to mm-hmm. look good in the media. If I, if I died today, if they killed me off today, if they made me disappear today, it wouldn't matter. Every piece of my evidence, including most recent stuff, is fully protected in the hands of so many people, yeah. in the hands of people I don't even know. Mm-hmm. So that way, my wife's case could never be buried. And if something happens to me, well, I'll just turn into a martyr, and this case will become a lot more serious. That's how I protected myself. And... Uh, a lot of people, you need to do that. You need to protect yourselves. When you go into these hospitals, especially in Alberta, yeah. you have the legal rights to be recording them. Have a recording app. Everybody has a phone with a recording app. Put it on, put it in your pocket, throw it on record. I had to change the doctors because of something that happened recently and uh, the doctor didn't even want to accept me. I could tell. And he started to start off with, you know, I don't have to really accept you as a patient. And I said, no, you don't. I said, but then you better have a damn good reason why. Yeah. And he looked on the table and he realized I have two cell phones sitting there and realized that, oh, this guy's recording me. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm recording everything because I trust no one. Rightfully and so. so. Rec- yep. And uh, he changed his tune. It was because of my prescriptions that I'm on, because I'm on a, you know, an opiate, because I have been since 2011, but I don't abuse it. You know, I've got up 85 milligrams in 12 years. And, uh, and I'm not, some junkie i'm just i use this stuff for pain every day otherwise i couldn't do what i do i couldn't socialize i wouldn't be able to sit here right now i'd be mm-hmm. in too much pain yeah so it helps control my pain but there is a very scary opiate over uh, opiate situation in canada yeah and it is scary yeah. um, you know i've had people offer me money from i'm like no i'm like sorry dude i need those yeah <laughs> that's my and there's not a chance in hell you even get to taste one of them <laughs> go mm-hmm. away I'm serious about that because medication should never be shared. Never. Ever. Yeah, never. Just because somebody's got the same symptoms as you does not mean you go, well, here, I can help you. No, sure. don't. They need to get their own stuff. They need to be covered because that's that's scary. Yes. You never know. Somebody's allergic to something. And all of a sudden, they're, they're dead on your floor. You know, that's something yep. pretty scary. So don't yep. mess with that stuff ever, please. Um, 
in all this, as I give a pretty decent update here, I'm still going through hell. Yeah. I'm still fighting every day. I'm still dealing with bureaucratic bullshit, the lies, the cover-ups. Karna, the person just said in the very end of it, they go, well, this sure shows the amount of guilt when you guys close it to the public. Yeah. Something your site prides on is public exposure and transparency, and you just took all that away and the only witness. So yeah. pretty disgusting. Um, a little note, something that weird that happened was, I told you guys, it was since 2018, when my wife and I, we moved here to help out Pastor Ralph and Sharon. Um, my wife was basically a caregiver to Sharon. And uh, until we got this house here, which is a rental, my wife and I made plans. Rent own this house, get almost paid off, pay off this house, fix up this house, sell this house, move to BC, get a piece of property. You know, we're going to call it the Lilcor Ranch. I'm still doing that. I'm still working on all these. Um, I had the opportunity to pay out this house and buy it outright, and I did. Yep. Um, of course, that came with a little bit of a red tape tie at the end, which I just got entrapped into. Yeah. I'm very upset about it. Um, because, of course, I've had renter's insurance all along. It was turned over to homeowner's insurance. It's renewable uh, next week. And uh, all of a sudden, I get a letter stating, oh, well, we need an, uh, an inspection on your electrical now. I'm like, hmm. why didn't that come up before I purchased the house? Because that should be on the old person, not on me. I just purchased this house. And... I'm like, what's going on here, Wawani? Well, how can you do that to a person that just purchased a house and then nail them for the inspections and the money when if you would have told me that, I wouldn't have purchased a house until he had it all done and done properly. Sure. Now, there's nothing really wrong with my house except for it's got the old setups, right? Sure. Um, and uh, so I had a little bit of a war with them. And I'm waiting for a phone call right now from uh, Wawanisa because they gave me a paper saying they're going to approve this and that. And I said, I go, you know what? my house needs to stay insured it's you know you guys have no rights to cancel on me you have sure. no rights to take it away sure i did nothing wrong. but a little bit more just to add to like what did i do wrong yeah you guys no. should have done this properly and you guys didn't and then it comes on to me Come yeah on. no i feel you i we just went through uh trying to sell the house and then try and uh of course it didn't go for sale and then we had a furnace issue and our dryer just went and i swear to god it's like you know, I know for a lot of people, they may not understand this is just normal things. But the problem is, is that when you're under undue duress, thanks to the institutions that are supposed to protect you, and you everyone knows when you get hail damage, there's a flood, whatever, how difficult these insurance companies are. And now they're even saying, well, we won't insure you, you know, like, it, it's just so painful every single little tiny thing we have to do to exist when we should all be entitled to shelter food water and we're getting to the point we're not we're not oh. entitled to shelter how many homeless people are there we're, we're not entitled to water how many people don't have clean drinking water we are not Listen. entitled to food how expensive is food people can't even eat like it i i just I, I get so frustrated at people who think life is just, you know, fantastic because it's like, who is the system designed for? Because unless you're, you know, a minimum six figures rich person, 
you're not surviving in this world that's, with any type of dignity, point. right? <laughs> I just seen this morning that the the uh, clean drinking water across Canada has been extended again. Yep. Because there's so many reserves without clean drinking water. Yep. And they're not doing anything about this. Well, they are, but it's just so much. Like they have their own standards that they have to have. They have to have people with certain amounts of education. And like, I, I can't tell you how many times people will send me a job posting and I'll post it. And it's like for $40,000 with a, a master's and extensive knowledge in indigenous language and connections to elders, you can work for us. And it's like, you are not understanding what reconciliation is. And you're telling me you think we are not worth the paper that we're doing for such a low wage. Like it, it's so insulting everywhere you go. And people think we get all these things for free. And it's like, no, we have to go through so many damn hoops and, yeah. and be looked down upon by society and told that we're not worthy and then killed by a health professional or a cop anytime. And there's no accountability, you know, like I, I just, I do not understand the sunshine and roses, you know, milk and honey um concept that people have of canada i cannot no well it's starting to come out it's starting to be realized but the problem is is nothing being done yeah we still don't have accountability we still don't have transparency no so um, just to give you a fun fact i had a reconciliation action group um we we did a red tape event and uh there was one freedom fighter who came to uh say no we love racism anyway it turns out He's a criminal defense lawyer. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure all the natives that he's defended, whether he was forced to or not, like, I know they did not get a fair shake, thanks no, to a fellow no. like him. No, that, and that's the problem. That's where the, the whole start of this podcast about the 12,500 doctors, you know, coming and only 300 participated in this thing. Right. And it's the whole system. You've yep. got justice, you've got health care, you've got the legal system with the prosecutors, the, 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 the lawyers and judges, and, and it's through our whole system right up to the top of political government. Yep. They don't care. The racism, it's all about power and greed. Mm-hmm. And re-election. And the people like us, <clears throat> we're suffering just to put gas in our vehicle, put food <laughs> on our plates, pay our bills. Yep. And trust me, I know all about it because I've been trying to do all this and my bills are just, they're killing me. Everything is, it's, you know, I'm, I'm down to one meal a day. Some days I skip that one meal and I have a shake because I have a nutrition shake and I just skip it and have a shake. I just, I can't afford it. Well, and, so. and that's what they want. Honestly, they're trying to exhaust you and kill you. And that's what it is. And I have tried to explain this to people. This is why Indigenous people have extreme autoimmune disorders and health issues, because we have been put in this position repeatedly and people don't get it. So I'm, I'm, I am grateful you're sharing your story. I hate you're going through this. I don't wish this on anyone, but I'm glad you're you're honest enough to come onto these podcasts and be frank and tell folks like this is what we're experiencing and, and how folks are just sitting comfortably at their homes. I don't understand, but I appreciate you coming on to talk about it. Is there anything else you'd like to add for today? Uh, just, a, just a little piece about that. I, I just spoke a little bit about the law society and lodging my complaint against the prosecutor. And then I get told I'm not allowed to talk about it. And I said, I go, but 
I'm a civilian. You can't stop me from talking about it. I have a friend of mine that's he, he, he pretty much got the same told, you know, oh, you now have a complaint lodged, now you can't speak about it. Well, guess what? I'm going to speak about it. I don't give a crap what you say. You know what? This prosecutor should be seeing charges, but then how do I know the police did a proper investigation, which we know they didn't. We know that. And you know what? People in jail already. I know lots of lawyers, and that is the tactic of the law society, is to absolutely silence everybody so they don't look bad. But the ironic thing is they look even worse because all they ever do is no justice and silencing everybody who would hold them to account. So my friend, I feel you. Isn't it funny that Alberta's law society is one of the only law societies that does this? You look across Canada, the other ones don't do it. You want to talk about it? Go ahead. That's your, it's your complaint. Yeah. You should be allowed to talk about your complaint with somebody who's screwing you over, a lawyer. You know, we, have, we are the bar. We have their licenses and that because they're screwing and lying. Well, then you have the rights. Yeah. Only in Alberta. See, it's and this crazy. is what I mean about these stupid freedom fighters. Look at all of the things they could be fighting for. All of the things yeah. that need fighting for. But they're more worried about killing us than they are about actual freedom. Because at the end of the day, it's not just Indigenous people. It's so many people that are silenced because of the way the structure of this is set up. And everyone is like eating, you know, they're <laughs> eating their donuts and drinking their Timmies. And everybody's a-okay with that because it's not them until it is them. And uh, it's a shame. I, uh, I don't know. So I appreciate you sharing your story. I'm, uh, like I said, I want the truth to be known and I'm going to continue to tell the truth. I'm going to continue to, you know, speak on my, my Facebook, on my Instagram. I need to get more into TikTok, but uh, I'm slowly putting these stories, the story out there. I want people to understand what I'm going through is serious. Mm -hmm. What I've seen and learned is very serious. And this is, this isn't a lie. This is total control. And I can't even get justice. I'm still fighting. Going on the fourth calendar year. Going on the third year of this happened to my wife. It's over two years since this has happened. And I'm still where? Nowhere. Corey, um, right now we're putting together a May 5th event here. So it's uh, Red Dress Day to acknowledge all of the missing and murdered Indigenous women, uh, girls in two-spirit. And um, would you be comfortable with me putting Lily, Lily and Ashley on our list of people to recognize because obviously what she's going through or what she went through was wrong. What you're going through is wrong. 100%. Wonderful. And of course you're invited to come join us. Um, Ironically, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be in Ottawa at a liberal convention at the same time. Of course, it's the same time, but um, I'm doing the work behind the scenes to organize the names being read. So to any of our listeners, if you have missing and murdered indigenous women in your family, or, or a friend that you want acknowledged, just write me, let me know at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Happily say that name on the 5th and go from there. So, oh, and this won't air in time, but we're going to be having a vigil tomorrow um, for another Indigenous uh, treaty partner, I should even say, because that's, you know, I wish ca- Canadians understood that because of all these government traumas, this colonial trauma that's constantly put on our people, you know, when somebody dies of an overdose, is it really because they made a choice (laughs) at this point trying to numb all of this? Anyway, 
I just want to recognize Justin Little Shields, uh, their family, the Crazy Bull family, is uh, going to be honoring his life. And uh, obviously, um, we're hoping folks by then it'll be too late. This will be aired, but it, uh, it'll be Memorial Park. And I'm sure we'll have uh, our photographer, Albert Wu, will have posted pictures to folks interested in, in honoring him as well. And, you know, when we talk about missing and murdered and exploited people, this is what we're talking about, because it's not right. All of these government procedures, policies that hurt and kill our people, I consider all folks that die of an overdose are, are people who never were given proper mental health care and uh, another example of colonial trauma and genocide. And until folks start getting it, <laughs> it's just going to keep going and we're still just going to try to survive this. So uh, thank you, beds. Corey. Go ahead. We need more, beds. We need more tre treatment centers for people to get off these drugs. Yeah, we need my houses. Wife, my wife beat it in 2018. She had an addiction and she yeah. beat that addiction. She yeah. went for herself to rehab. People, you can beat it, but it's not an easy thing to access at all. And there is very little beds for people. Yeah. And you make one mistake in there, oh, you're out the door, sorry. Oh. And they'll okay. kick you out the door with everything you came in with, even if you had drug well, they'll hand that right back to you. Yeah, and, and we know that most people die immediately after leaving rehab if they uh they try it again and and that's the irony right is that people don't see how the responsible the government is on all of this and how over policed people are when trying to seek help that's the irony right so i anyway thank you so much for everything that you always share Corey. uh always here for another update when you're ready uh and and thank you for being on the show okay i thank you and uh, hopefully my next update We'll start to have some justice involved in it. We're going with the public inquiry starting, and that's going to be huge mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to bring out everything that needs to be brought out and start taking down the people that need to come down, yep. start getting justice and a change in the system. Mm -hmm. I feel Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, honored to always. And just so you know, like for me, um, this. I, I have so much empathy for what you're going through because I hate that the idea that my husband may have to do this and other people's um, spouses have to do this. So just lots of respect for the work you're doing and the trials and tribulations you're going through right now and know that many of us in Indian country are praying for you. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, so for folks who are interested in getting more involved in meaningful reconciliation, we here in Calgary have the Reconciliation Action Group. Like, how great would it be to have a group full of lawyers start a reconciliation committee, maybe not associated with me, but doing this work of giving us some kind of justice? It's not fair the way this system is designed. We need meaningful change. So if you're a lay person, you know, we need you at these school board meetings because they're trying to red tape us to death there too. So it doesn't matter whatever area of interest you're interested in, we need you for reconciliation. And there's calls to justice, calls to action for whatever field you are in. So please start doing that work. Um, our next book club will be focusing on the true intent of Treaty 7, as said by the uh, elders of Treaty 7.
So if you want to join my uh, book club, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm proud that this podcast has given solutions and included cultural safety training and cultural first aid and all of them to create a safer space for marginalized people. Say, I want to say thank you to Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia Fridkin of heretohelp.bc.ca for what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it. Their work are those cultural action tools. So please support Indigenous work like that as part of your reconciliation work and settler understandings. I'm just lucky enough to highlight and repeat them here. Uh, something else I'm going to add is that Community Wise has a rock. Uh, it's anti-racism organizational change, and that was created for sports clubs, nonprofits, folks who don't have a lot of money to reinvent the wheel to start instituting anti-racism policies, and not that many people have actually followed through on it. So, you know, if you are listening and you're part of a nonprofit, a community association, anything, you have the tools you just need to implement them and you need to work with people willing to work on reconciliation, not just wear an orange shirt on orange shirt day, because that's not meaningful change. It's performative. Anyway, their work in those cultural action tools are needed. So many others, internal and external um, violence is an everyday reality. So for folks who are, are oppressed, there is um, oppression tools for folks to understand the gravity of what you're experiencing. Um, I'm regular, regularly attacked by my own community because it's easier for them to attack me than it is the system, than the CBC, than the RCMP, than AHS. It's easier to attack me than them. So to me, if you're not working on dismantling white supremacy, you are being problematic and you need to do that work, that internalized racism, internalized sexism, internalized what ableism, whatever it is that you're doing, you need to work on it. So please go to racialequitytools.org. They have tons of resource files. They have what is internalized racism by Donna Bevins. There are so many um pieces out there to teach you how to not hurt your own community uh do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by american friends service committee afsc.org do's and don'ts for bystander i just checked it and it turns out they also have um they have videos, YouTube videos. That was the word I was looking for was YouTube. Uh, so they have that as well, as well as printed stuff. So please do that work. Indigenous have been talking about the issues, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, and public hearings so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians in their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus, if they are cutting violence prevention programs, Indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay-straight alliances, lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the over 400 recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, uh, violence prevention, 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit. Provincially in Alberta, the Kenny government created 113 pathways to justice. So all you blue voters can talk to your blue MLAs about it. And I guarantee you, rather than me individually educating 87 MLAs, it would be really great if some of you could do it. 
follow the new Premier's Council on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Work. Municipally, we have the White Goose Flying Report. Denying these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the justice, educational, health, governance institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, sexism, gendered violence, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties and local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs, etc. Google articles on how non-Indigenous Canadians can become allies. Uh, Stephanie and Harp and I did an emergency podcast in the hopes we could reach our allies to write and do more on the crisis that we're facing. So uh, I encourage everyone to sign up to aboriginalalert.ca to learn about missing Indigenous folks in our area. You can also download Missing Children's Society of All Canada's app. And I put out a letter to my council uh, using this statement, demand the urgent action to protect the lives of Indigenous women, girls, two-spirit, and gender-diverse people experiencing homelessness at uh, womenshomelessness.ca. Uh, we talked a little bit about overdose. Uh, folks, don't use alone if you are using. And if you are using alone, make a plan. You can call the National Overdose Response Service at 888-688-NORS, or there's two apps you can download, the Brave or the Doors app, D-O-R-S. Um, we are still in the midst of, uh, in my feeling, again, criminal um, drug policy war, thanks to the government not giving a safe supply. Anyway, if you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talked about today and need to talk, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 855-242-3310. It is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also go to their website, hopeforwellness.ca. If more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. If you are non-Indigenous, there are usually distress center lines in your area that work, a functioning 211, or you can call 833-456-4566. If you go to crisisservicescanada.ca, there are tons of other resources. For folks who are 60 Scoop, you can go to the 60 Scoop Indigenous Society of Alberta, SSISA.ca, and uh, join that group as well. The following are 2S LGBTQ crisis supports. So if you uh, know about the lifevoice.ca, you will find tons of resources. A trans Lifeline in Canada, 877-330-6366. So I'm going to say that one more time. 877-330-6366. The Trevor Project. Uh, more for Youth, 866-844-7386. And I'm just going to point blank say I feel the queer community is under a ridiculous amount of attacks. I want to remind folks that Canada is a safe haven for folks who identify as queer. And um, unfortunately, Canada is way safer for settler queer folks than they are the two-spirit Indigenous community. So you're welcome here. But if you are Indigenous and you're listening to me right now and you identify as queer in any capacity, know that they are on the wrong side of history. You are important, you are valued, and you exist because we need you. 
and we love you. And to reach out if you need any hope or any assistance, I try to give hope on a regular basis. And the truth is we need you. And these old codgers will die eventually, but you are our youth, you are young, and you are going to shake the world with who you are. And I can give you multiple examples of a two-spirit who have had a positive impact in my life. And I'm here with you. So violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. This is self-care, how I take my power back. This is why I started this podcast, to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, gatekeeping, leadership shaming, gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear an Indigenous opinion, but sure wants to tell us theirs, by people who know nothing about Indigenous people, colonialism, the constant surveillance of our people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights. I and many others share all about racism daily, so it's unacceptable anymore. Learn about being trauma-informed. People like me are dealing with internalized racism and gatekeeping that survive off the status quo. People who are so in their trauma that they attack people trying to do the work and deplete the personal resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for me, Indigenous people, folks with disabilities, QT, BIPOC, and others. Masi Cho to my ancestors, to my granny, to my mom of what strength looks like through your examples. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be blunt and strong. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots and stepping up to teach me to be a proud Calgarian. Through her, I am a second generation Calgarian. Notice how I didn't say native Calgarian folks. Jeez. Thank you to my husband, Darcy, a uh, big Buffalo rock man for producing and editing this show on top of being my husband, childhood friend, father of our child and support down my journey of the red road. He has witnessed decades of racism and sexism and to our child Thunderpipe necklace woman. We are blessed to learn from you daily and we are honored. You chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. My hope is my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these present day issues. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. Um, you know, I, I can't thank you all enough. You helped us a year ago when we were in a really tough bind in Lethbridge. And, um, you know, things have fallen into place that I can book tickets in a hotel in Ottawa for May. So it's thanks to you. Um, and it's thanks to you giving me positive reviews. It's, it's thanks to you all for listening. So thank you or, or watching. Um, if you can afford to give, thank you. If you cannot go to nativeyyc at gmail.com, or you can send in your comments or your questions. I have a YouTube channel. You can go and subscribe, go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. And, uh, yeah, have a look at my LinkedIn. If you are an indigenous person, I'd love to sign you up as a liberal in order to sign my papers. And if you are Indigenous liberals, please sign my papers. I'm going to be actually running for operations. And I fully support another uh, woman who's running for female co-chair. Her name is Nadine Bernard. Uh, she ran provincially in Nova Scotia. She's Mi'kmaq. And I uh, have a deep respect for her. So I'll be putting other Indigenous people's signatures out there. I think by the time this airs, it will be irrelevant. So I apologize for going on about that. I guess I need to do a TikTok. <laughs> 
I want to end by giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not Tradish. And my beautiful cousin that was in a car with me once responded, or he had be in my dish. Thank you so much, folks, for listening.